0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh.
1: Sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Let me just kind of expand on that a little bit. It's not like God saying, Thou shalt not because I'm God and I said so. And in the day that thou does this, thou shalt surely die. Whoa, man, sin... Whoa, oh, that's bad. Yeah, it is.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Why does God give his children rules? To punish or to ensure they don't have any fun? No. As Pastor J.D. shares in today's message, sin is bad because it's bad for you. The Lord has your heart in mind when he puts certain things off limits. He's looking out for you he has your best interest in mind. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Verse 9, now we turn a corner here, and it's a good corner to turn. I mentioned there were two effects that knowing that God sees everything can have on us. One good, one not so good. The not so good is that God sees everything. But the good is that God sees everything. So they are not going to get away with it. Oh, they think they've gotten away with their conception of iniquity. They've conceived, hatched these viper eggs of an evil plot. You know how we say it, they hatched an evil plot. <laughs> well, that's the good side of it, because, yeah, God sees everything you're doing. In fact, here's the thing. God knew that you were going to do that before you even knew you were going to do that. In fact, God knew you were going to do that before there was even a you to do that. How about that? He sees everything, and you're not going to get away with it. Okay, back to our Bible study already in progress, verse 9. We turn this really good corner now, and this is their response. Therefore, verse 9, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope, verse 10, for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We can relate to that here, yeah? Isn't there kind of a moaning, crying sound and tone? I remember when we first moved here, I I could never quite get over the sound of the doves and the pigeons. And the minor birds, by the way, the, there's no minor birds in heaven. By the way, just so you know, I, you know, just so irritating. And anyway, enough of my problems. I, I know God created minor birds, but whatever. So the moan, sadly, like doves. This is a quite a a description of what they were experiencing in their sinful state. We look for justice, but. There is none for salvation, but it is far from us. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. It seems that they are finally admitting and acknowledging, at the very least anyway, the consequences and effects of their sin. And how poetic is their description of being like a blind man trying to grope around and find their way. In the middle of the day, it's pitch black. They grope and stumble as if they have no eyes to see. And they growl like bears. And you can just kind of feel the frustration, the agitation, the irritation. And then they moan sadly like doves. There's just kind of a, a sad tone and moan. To them, all because of the consequences and the effects of their sin, doubtless you've heard it said. I've said it many times. I hope you don't tire of me saying it. It is so true. Sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Let me just kind of expand on that a little bit. It's not like God saying, thou shalt not because I'm God and I said so. And in the day that thou doesest this, thou shalt surely die. Whoa, man, sin. Whoa, that's bad. Yeah, it is. It's forbidden. No, it's the other way around. And it changes the whole complexion of it. Sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad for me, and God loves me. And God doesn't want me to suffer needlessly because of sin. One has aptly said of the Ten Commandments, they're more like the tender commandments from a tender loving Heavenly Father who says, I love you so much and I can't stand to see you suffer unnecessarily when you commit adultery, when you covet, because coveting will eat your lunch, your dinner too, and breakfast the next morning as well. And I, I love you so much. Thou shalt not covet because of what covetousness this is going to do to you. And I love you and I don't want that to happen to you. It will destroy you. Thou shalt not murder. Not kill, by the way. That's a different, ah, it's a whole, why did I open up that can? That's a gift. I gotta get rid of that can opener. But, um, thou shalt not murder. That's different than kill. Please make, note that distinction and delineation. Murder. Don't murder anyone because you will be haunted and hunted by it for the rest of your life. Your life will never be the same again. Thou shalt not commit adultery because of what adultery does to the adulterer. And I just love you so much. I don't want that to happen to you. And you can go through every single one of those Ten Commandments. The first five dealing with our love for God. And by the way, very interesting about the Ten Commandments. Study this when we were in Exodus 20. Not so easily seen at first read, but you've got the first five, which are vertical, our loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. And then you have the second set, which are horizontal, loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the cross. That's the cross where Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. You got the vertical and you got the horizontal. And they can be summed up that way and fulfilled in that way. So it's like God saying, you know, this is why I don't want you to do that. This is willful disobedience. And this is what happens when you willfully disobey me. You're going to suffer the consequences. And wow, what a description, right? I mean, they look for justice, righteousness. No go. (laughs) They look for salvation far from us. There is none. And that is the state of one who is walking in willful disobedience to God, walking in unrighteousness. One last thing, and then we'll move on. Think of it like this. As an earthly parent, an earthly father, an earthly mother, or even grandparent, with your children and your grandchildren, how, how much does it hurt your heart to see them suffer needlessly? Now the key word here is needlessly. Doesn't it just break your heart? And, and what do we do as parents? And we're fallen. <laughs> we're sinful. We warn them and we instruct them and we direct them and we correct them and we try everything we can as their parents who love them so much to protect them from going down a certain path and suffering the consequences of it, the choices they make in their lives. And then when they do, and then they suffer the consequences, what, what happens to your heart? How much more does it impact the heart of God? How much more does it grieve the heart of God. I was reminded of a true story I heard from a pastor. It was actually another uh, pastor at a pastor's conference who shared this story about a young lady, beautiful lady, but was caught up in drugs. And it really showed. I mean, she was probably in her 20s, but she looked like she was in her 50s and 60s because the drugs had just Taken their toll, I mean physically on her, you know what I'm talking about, and this pastor wanted to you know kind of minister to her and and was trying to share the Lord with her and in that process of doing that, he just asked her some basic questions like, "Do you have any family she said yeah I, I have a a loving father and a loving mother." and he's like well where are they he said well no they they told me they couldn't take it anymore they could not stand helplessly by and watch me destroy my life because it was destroying them and they had to make the gut-wrenching painful decision to just disenfranchise themselves and disconnect themselves from their daughter whom they love very much. Because had they not done that, they would have been destroyed because of what she was doing. I mean, that really, I think, puts into perspective. And I can understand that, how hard it is for us as parents, especially for those who have prodigal sons and wayward daughters, man. It just it is so painful And one uh, word of hope and encouragement, by the way, God loves them more than you ever could. You need to be reminded of that. You love them, oh, you never knew you could love so deeply. And yet you take that love that you have for them, it doesn't even come close to comparing with the love that God has for them. He loves them more than you could ever love them. And here's another thing, I'll take it a step further. He wants them right with Him more than you ever could. That's encouraging, right? Because then when, and I hope you never give up on them, never stop praying for them. Yeah, but it's been years, don't quit. Like the parable of the persistent widow, the whole point of that was not that God is this reluctant judge to mete out justice and he finally just just to get this woman to stop texting him every night all night posting on his you know social media pages and I need justice I need justice showing up and knocking on his door and getting past security (laughs) calling him up all the time, even blocking the number. she figure out a way to get past that number, block and call him all the time. And finally he just says, okay, fine. Here. It's not like God's like that. Never imagine God is in heaven going, okay, already, stop. Can you imagine that? That would be horrible, it would be horrifying. But what God is saying, if an unjust judge will do that in response to that tenacity that never, 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 never gives up. Because that's the whole point of the parable. In fact, right out of the shoot, Jesus gives the point of the parable before he teaches the parable. The point of this parable is to pray and never give up. You keep praying. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. And that door will be opened unto you. You ask and keep on asking, you will receive. You seek and keep on seeking, you will find. So never give up. But every time you pray, you are praying in alignment according to God's will. Because God loves them. And when you pray for them, God hears that prayer. And while God will never violate their sovereignty, their self-will, their free choice, because that's not love, right? But here's what He will do. And here's what He does do. And the testimonies are in the multitudes. How many parents can share powerful, encouraging testimonies about how after praying for many years, that wayward daughter came back and that prodigal son returned home, which is, by the way, why we have the parable of the prodigal son, as we affectionately refer to it. You know what's interesting about that parable? I know I'm going way off here, but just maybe this is for somebody that needs to hear this and be encouraged by this. They were fitly spoken. You know what's really intriguing about that parable? You have to know something about the Middle Eastern customs in that day, really similar to modern day. But the father would never run to the son. That would be unthinkable. And yet in this parable that we affectionately refer to as the parable of the prodigal son, That father is actually waiting and watching for and anticipating his son's return. He had never given up. He was at the ready, watching every day. He would get up in the morning, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day. And sure enough, one day was the day. And there he is in the driveway, it's a modern day parable, (laughs) And he's wearing his bathrobe. Okay, we'll just say bathrobe, his, uh, you know. And sure enough, he sees his son coming in the distance. And what does he do? So that he can run, he lifts up his robe so he can get to his son faster. And he runs to him. You will never see that in the Middle East. The father does not run to the son. The son runs to the, get over here, boy. And what does the father do? How many times have I told you, boy, are you going to get a licking? I'm going to tell right now. And here's, I okay, I have to because it's there in the parable. Jesus taught it. He actually gives us some insight into what is going through the, the mind and the heart of the son before he goes back home. He's like, man, I've completely blown it. I have wasted all of my inheritance on partying and drugs and women, and here I am with nothing, and I am shoveling pig slop, which for a Jew, <laughs> that is anathema. Man, I could go back, and my father's servants have it better than this. at least I could be a servant, and that would be better than what I'm experiencing right now. But I got a problem because man, I left, and I know I broke my dad's heart. You gotta know that the son knew that it's inferred I believe in the in the parable, and so he's thinking, okay now. How do I? I I picture him practicing all the way back home. Okay, dad, I'm so sorry. Can I just be a servant? I, I, I'm so, will, will you take me back? And, and you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I, okay, I'm grounded for the rest of my known life on this earth, you know, and you're gonna beat me and give me a licking and, and you're gonna rub my face in it and you're gonna punish me and I deserve every single bit of it, but it's still worth it. Will you please take me back? He's practicing what he's gonna say, his speech all the way home. He didn't have a chance to even say anything. What a picture. father runs to him, weeps, tears of joy, hugs him, holds him, embraces him, a Velcro hug, not wanting to let him go. Even if he tried to say anything, Dad, no, no, just, you're home. And then imagine how stunned he must have been when dad says to his older brother, that's a whole other issue, by the way. Man, you you guys, right now, everybody, all hands on deck. Big feast! He's home! He's back! Older brother's like, really? What's up with this? Here, I've been faithful. I didn't blow my inheritance. And... (laughs) Well, what are you doing? Why would you do this? And that's not fair. Well, life isn't fair. It reminds me of that song we taught our boys growing up. The world, it doesn't revolve around you, and life, it isn't fair, but boom, 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 the world, it doesn't revolve around you, and life, it isn't fair. Everybody now, the world, no. (laughs) You know, they're in their 20s now, and that explains a lot, their behavior now. I think they are traumatized by this, but (laughs) they got it, and they know it. Life isn't fair. And the world doesn't revolve around me. Consequences of sin. You know, the bitterness of the consequences of sin lingers on long after the sweetness of the temporal pleasure of sin. Oh, sin is pleasurable for a season, the Bible says. But in the end, it is bitter as wormwood. The bitterness of the consequences of sin lingers on so much longer, infinitely longer, than just that brief season of pleasure from that sin. Well, let's move on, verse 12. They're still responding, and it's actually going in the right direction here and gets better. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, Conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, lies, false witness, not true. Justice is turned back, verse 14. And righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, verse 15, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Hang on to that for a moment. I want to come back to that. That's very interesting. He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it. What did the Lord see? The Lord saw that they were departing and turning from their evil, and they were now a target and a prey. And what was the Lord's response? And the response is that it displeased him that there was no justice. Oh, wow, we have an interesting turn of events here, right? So what's happening here? They've acknowledged, at the very least, initially, the consequences of their sin, very graphic description, and they've come to terms with it, and they've admitted it, they've acknowledged it, they've confessed it, and now they've gone from the consequences of their sin to now acknowledging their sin itself.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospels mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D., you can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaniohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.